Thank you for listening to the One City Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. As you know, we are in the high holy days of 2020 on the Gregorian calendar or 5781 on the Hebraic calendar. This is the month of Teshri. This is the first month of their civil calendar. It's the seventh month of their religious calendar that starts in the spring. But this is their new year in Israel, as ours is in January. Rosh Hashanah, the new year, began on Friday, September the 18th at sundown. The Day of Atonement begins today, September the 27th at sundown. And then Tabernacles will be Friday, October the 2nd at sundown. Rosh Hashanah to the Day of Atonement, the 10 days of awe, the high holy days. The 10 days in which Israel prepares itself for the Day of Atonement. It is a time of reflection, introspection, repentance, reconciliation. It's a time to pause for 10 days, to search your heart, to deal with the issues in your life, to repent, to reconcile with God and to reconcile with man. The 10 high holy days are preparatory time for the day of atonement. When the final decision, now I'm reading this to you out of the Jewish historical writings, okay? It is the time, 10 days to prepare for the day of atonement when the final decision is made to inscribe your name in the book of life or the book of death for the coming year. So in the Jewish culture, they believe from Rosh Hashanah to the day of atonement, they have 10 days to get things in order so that on the day of atonement, God would write them up in the book of life for the coming year. It's to deal with the sin in their life. Now, we understand the principle that sin separates, that sin brings death. But we also have the assurance of salvation. But I just wanted you to understand in the Jewish culture how they think and what they're thinking today, that they're getting ready for atonement and they're searching their hearts to see if they be in the faith. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. The Old Testament tabernacle was a type and a shadow. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place, the holy of holies, once for all. Say once for all. Having obtained eternal redemption. Once for all. Aren't you glad that you and I are freed from the law and the requirement of every year on this day of atonement of having to make sure that we're in the book of life? I'm glad my name was written in the book of life on August the 3rd, 1975, and it ain't changed. It's still there because I have eternal redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that your salvation... Aren't you glad for your salvation, the fact that you're holding on to it today? Amen? 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says, If anyone does sin, we continually have a forgiving Redeemer who is face-to-face with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. The high priest 
the high priest of God's people is there in that heavenly tabernacle face to face with our heavenly father. And I'm so appreciative of that. I have that sense of security in my salvation because of Jesus and the blood of the lamb. But you need to understand the day of atonement. It is the most sacred day on the Hebraic calendar. The one day annually when the high priest entered the Holy of Holies one day, one day a year. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus did it once for all. It's not every year. It's once for all. He went in for you and I. But in the Jewish culture and in the Old Testament, the high priest goes in one day a year to intercede. And the purpose is to make atonement for himself, the people, the nation, and for the temple. It's a day of cleansing. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6 reads, To him who washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to God the Father. So I want you to see the Old Testament type of how that the high priest went in one day a year to intercede for the nation. But Jesus, for you and I, went in once and for all, and yet he is still in that heavenly tabernacle there face to face with our heavenly father. And if we sin, we have an advocate with the father that we can come before him and it can be forgiven and dealt with. But I want you to understand that we today are called as in the Old Testament and type, we are called to be kings and priests. And we are called to make intercession for our nation as the high priest did in the Old Testament. Now the difference is, again, for you and I, is the veil of the, the, veil of the temple was torn in two. And we have access daily, not just once a year, but daily we have access because of our high priest that is in heaven face to face with the heavenly father. So as kings and priests, let me ask you, what favor and possibilities does this feast of the Lord hold? Now remember, they're the feast of the Lord and not the feast of Israel. And I believe that God does work off of the calendar and the feast. He's very deliberate and intentional. I believe there's something very special about these feast days. And we would be wise to pay attention. And so it begs the question, what possibilities lie within this feast? What does the entrance requirements of, the, of Leviticus reveal about our Heavenly Father, yod heh As they would say in the Old Testament, when you look in Leviticus and you see the requirements that God gave to the high priest in order to make the entrance into the Holy of Holies one day a year, what does those requirements reveal about our Father and reveal about his expectations for you and I even now as kings and priests? What responsibilities do we have as kings and priests today? What responsibilities do we have for our nation, for our community? As kings and priests with the veil of the temple torn, having daily access into the throne room where our high priest stands there face to face with our father making intercession, where the blood of the lamb has been applied to the mercy seat and we have access because of him. As kings and priests, what responsibilities do I have for my nation? I believe America is at a tipping point. 
And today is the day of atonement. And perhaps as kings and priests, we should enter the Holy of Holies and intercede for America. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Leviticus chapter 16. Now, this entire chapter is dedicated to the day of atonement. And there is so much truth here that I can't, I can't extract it all in this one message. So I'm going to cherry pick a few verses and I'm going to cherry pick a few things that I believe are important for you and I on this day and where we are today as a nation. And then you can go back in your private devotion and you can study this out and really pull out all the truths. And there are so many types and shadows in this chapter about Christ. When you read the, this chapter, you'll see Jesus throughout this chapter. You'll see it if you'll just look for it. God will give you revelatory knowledge and you'll see it. But let's just pick out a few verses. Uh, Leviticus chapter 16, let's read verses 1 through 4. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they offered profane fire or strange fire before the Lord and they died. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at just any time. Say, not at just at any time. Yeah, that, okay. Tell Aaron, your brothers, not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Verse 3. Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and a ram as a burnt offering. He shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash and with the linen turban, he shall be attired. These are holy garments. Say holy garments. Skip down to verse 8. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. Say scapegoat. Drop down to verse 22. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to uh, an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. Now drop down to verse 29. This shall be a statue forever for you in the seventh month on the 10th day of the month. This is Teshri, the seventh month on the religious calendar, the first month on the civil calendar. Drop down to verse 30. For on that day, the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. Drop down to verse 34. This shall be an everlasting statute for you to make atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded him. This shall be an everlasting statute. That's why I mentioned a moment ago that when you read Leviticus chapter 16 and you read the, the requirements that God had for the high priest, the protocol that he had to follow in order to, to enter the Holy of Holies on this one day. It's the protocol for the day of atonement. That one day. That one day. And by saying this is an everlasting statue, as I read these requirements, I believe that gives me insight into who my father is and what he expects of me and you today. Now, as we, as we look at these requirements, this protocol for this one day, I understand the present application for Israel, but I also know there's a practical and a prophetic application for you and I. And everybody said, amen. Okay, so let's title this, The Day of Atonement, 5781-2020, How to Atone 
for our nation. Father, bless the reading of your word in Christ's name. Amen. Protocol for the Day of Atonement. I want you to notice in verse 3, he said, Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place. Giving us insight that there is a protocol to follow on this one day. So, I'm going to extract only four. I can't talk about the sacrifices. I can't talk about the incense, the worship, and the prayer. I can't talk about the washing. There's a lot of things I can't talk about. I just don't have time. I'm just going to pull out four, okay? And then you can go through this chapter later and find the others for yourself. But the first one that I want you to see, thus shall Aaron come to the whole place. The first one is this, watch and know what time it is. Watch and know what time it is. Verses one and two. It starts out by saying that Aaron's two sons offered profane fire and then he said, and don't come in here just anytime you want to. The word offered there in the Hebrew means to approach for whatever purpose. To approach for just whatever purpose. So church, listen. We as kings and high priests who now stand before the, the torn veil and we have access into the throne room. And we have a high priest that stands there face to face with our heavenly father. He's placed the blood on the mercy seat and we can now come before the throne of God with boldness and we can stand there as the sons of God and we can intercede for our nation, for our community, for our family, for our church. We have to understand that there is a responsibility placed on us to be careful and not to offer strange or unauthorized fire or unsanctioned worship. Now understand, if you study, if you study it out in the building of the tabernacle, now get this in your mind before we get any deeper into this. Hebrews chapter 8, God talked about Moses building the Old Testament tabernacle and how that it was following the pattern that was given to him from the heavenly tabernacle. So if you want to understand what goes on in heaven, read the Old Testament tabernacle. If you want to say, well, how's God doing church in heaven? Read the Old Testament uh, story of the tabernacle. Because Hebrews 8 makes it very clear. Makes it very clear that God dropped down a blueprint from heaven to Moses and said, build it like this. After the model that's in heaven. So that's why these types and these shadows, and these metaphors, these, these things that we, we see in the Old Testament are so important for you and I. So important for us to understand. So, we have to know that when the tabernacle was built, everything was put in place, and then the wood was placed on the brazen altar, and Moses and Aaron backed up. Everything was there but the fire. But the, fire, the Bible says that the fire fell from heaven, and it lit that sacrifice. And then they took that holy fire, and they, they lit the lampstand, the incense on the altar of incense. They used that fire. For everything that took place within that tabernacle, it was holy fire. But the two sons of Aaron, they got this neat idea to bring in strange fire. Fire that was created by man. Unauthorized worship. Unsanctioned worship. And they brought in that strange fire and God's holiness struck them and killed them. Listen, as priests in this church, 
as priests in our homes, as priests in this nation, we have a responsibility to guard against strange or unauthorized fire or unsanctioned worship. You got to guard against that. Listen, we've got to get back to doing church God's way. We've got to get away from just seeking success and let's seek to be significant. We've got to get away from leaning on the arm of the flesh and leaning on the arm of the Lord. We've got to come back to the holy fire and not the strange fire that those two boys brought into the tabernacle. As priests, we've got to do church the way God intended. And everybody said, amen. So he said, don't come in and offer this to me. And don't come in just any time, any way. Not just any time, but he said God's time. The day of atonement was one day a year. It was appointed by God. We as priests, kings and priests on this earth, have got to learn to work off of God's time. God's time. We've got to learn this. We can't just come in here anytime, any way, for anything. We've got to learn to follow God's time, to find God's mind. He said, don't offer unto me strange fire. Again, don't approach me for whatever purpose. Every Sunday that we come in here, we prepare because we are so dependent on him. We prepare because we want to find the mind of God. We have an idea of the direction this service is going to go in, but we're constantly seeking Holy Spirit, praying that he would interrupt us, praying that he would take charge, praying that he would do what he wants to do. I'm not going to come in here and just approach him with whatever anytime. I want to come in here and find the mind of God for this service and stay on God's time. I want to do what God wants to see done. I'm here to be led by the Holy Spirit. That's how lives are transformed. He said, don't approach me just with whatever, just whatever. Just don't come in here and worship just with whatever. Don't come in here and pray with just whatever. Don't come in here and preach just whatever. But come in here seeking the mind and the heart of God. And that's when we have church. We should labor over our songs with prayer and tears. We should labor over our message with prayer and tears. We should labor over this service to find the mind and the heart of God. America doesn't need just another church service. They need an encounter with yod heh They need to see God. Ezekiel 33. I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, warn them. Listen to me, church. We have a responsibility to watch what time it is and to warn this nation. In Luke 19, he said, because you did not know Israel, the time, that word time there is the word kairos. You did not know the time of your visitation. You know the two times, chronological time, this one, and then kairos, which is God time, opportune time, a God moment, a divine appointment. Jesus came to Israel. It was an appointed time, like the day of atonement was an appointed time. Jesus came to Israel, and Israel did not recognize the kairos moment. They did not recognize the day of their visitation, and they missed it. They missed it. Listen, we as the priests, kings and priests on this earth, on this day of atonement, we have to pay attention to what time it is. We're watchmen on the wall. And then we need to send forth a warning to this nation and warn America of what's happening. And we have to make sure that we don't miss our day of visitation.
First Chronicles 12, the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. God was talking about the different tribes and the different families and what they could and could not do. And he referred to the sons of Issachar as those that could read the times. They could sense the times. A legendary Samonian navigator, the uh, Samoa Islands in the South Pacific, this legendary uh, navigator, although blind and very old, could tell the exact location of his craft by feeling the sea with his hand. His descendants inherited his skill and were known as feelers of the sea. During World War II, it was told that canoes led battleships with the touch of a hand. I've told you this before years ago when I preached on feelers of the sea. But it is told, this legend, that these navigators in this uh, South Pacific island, they could drop their hand down over the side of their canoe and just by feeling the current, they could tell what direction to take. And it's said, whether it's true or not, I don't know, but it's said that during World War II, there were some Navy ships that had, that had uh, harbored, that had an dropped anchor in their harbor and a deep fog had come in and they couldn't see and they needed to leave. And so this navigator got out in front and he led battleships out. He led them out by just putting his hand over the side and being being able to feel the current and knowing which way to go. We should be the sons of Issachar with the spirit of prophecy. Watchmen on the wall that understand the day of visitation. Kairos moments. We're not looking at chronological time. We're looking for God's day of visitation. Kairos moments. Divine appointments. And we can drop our hand over the side and feel the current of Holy Spirit and the river that flows from underneath the throne of God and we can bring leadership to this nation America needs the pulpit to find its voice again we can move into God's presence anytime the veil of the temple has been torn in two we can move into God's presence anytime but God chooses to move on earth at certain times and do we know what time it is? I can move into God's presence any moment. Any moment I choose. But God chooses to move on planet earth at certain times. The day Jesus was born, a visitation. The day that Pentecost had fully come, a visitation. Azusa Street, revival hit America. The tent revivals, the charismatic movement. There are times in history when God sovereignly chooses to move. I can move into his presence anytime, but he chooses to move on planet earth at certain times. Sovereign moves of God. And the question is, do we know what time it is? Israel had to know the day of atonement one day a year. It was critical. It was critical. Everything hinged on this one day. If you miss this one day, you're in trouble. This is the one day the high priest would deal with this personal sin, the sin of the tabernacle, the sin of the people, the sin of the nation. This was the one day when the books were made right. And if you miss this one day, there's a problem. Think of that. It's important that we as watchmen, we know the Kairos moments. Do we know what time it is in America? When you watch the news, do you watch with a prophetic eye? 
Do you understand what's happening in America right now? Do we know what time it is as watchmen on the wall? Do we see the Kairos time? And are we warning America? Are we warning them we have a responsibility? Can we, like the sons of Isagar, sense the flowing of that river and know where God is taking America? It's time, not just for preachers, but for men of God. It's time, not just for sermons, but for messages. It's time for us not to speak about God, but to speak for God. It's time for the church to operate off of Cairo's time, the spirit of prophecy, understanding where we are and where God is taking us, and then to stand up boldly and speak truth to power and declare the word of the Lord to this nation. We're talking about protocol on the Day of Atonement. Today requires that you and I go into that high, that, that, uh, that holy place, knowing what time it is. Mm. Number two. When you go into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, you had to go in speaking a better word. Verse 3 said, Aaron shall come into the holy place with blood. Now, the word atonement means to cover, to conceal, to reconcile. Hebrews 12, 24 reads, Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So you need to understand the power of that innocent blood. On the Day of Atonement, it was called life for life. Israel stood there as a nation guilty of sin. He even referred to the sin done out of ignorance. Done out of ignorance. Just, there was sin in the camp. No matter how they tried, there was always sin in the camp. And he had to come in that day and he had to come in with blood, the innocent blood of a goat, a ram, a bull, life for life. You have to understand the power of innocent blood. It cancels the guilt, it covers the shame, it reconciles and restores the person. That's why the Day of Atonement was so critical. We have to know that. We have to know that as the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies with that, that basin of blood, the blood of Abel that was flowing through the veins of the people, we call that iniquity. It was screaming out. It was screaming out iniquity. It was screaming out. But when he brought in that blood of the innocent, that blood spoke a better word. It spoke a better word. It covered their guilt. It covered their shame. It canceled their guilt. It covered their shame. It restored that person. It restored that nation to him. That day, the books were made right. So they're not in the book of death, but they're in the book of life for one more year. But Jesus came and once and for all, he went into the Holy of Holies and he put the blood on the mercy seat. And he set the books right. He set the books right. And his blood cancels my guilt, it covers my shame, and it restores me as a person. It restores me. It restores me. And that's our responsibility to now. To now, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
to cancel guilt, to cover shame, and restore people. That's our responsibility. On this day, we have to come into this place, into the Holy of Holies, with innocent blood. Listen, we have to let people know that you may have done what they said you did, but you're not what they say you are. And there's a difference. You may have did what they said you did, but you're not the person they say you are. Uh -uh. God restores you. He's the God of a second chance. So what we have to do on the day of atonement, the priest would go in with the blood, innocent blood, and the blood of Abel is crying out iniquity, iniquity. They deserve to die. They deserve to die. But that innocent blood was life for life. And it canceled, it covered, and it restored. And we today have to learn to speak a better word than what people deserve. We have to do it. You look at America and you say the nation's on fire. I know it. You say people have gone crazy. I know it. But on this day, let us speak a better word than what they deserve. The blood of Abel is crying out, saying, iniquity, iniquity, justice. They, they deserve to die. I get that. I get that. I deserve to die. But the blood of the lamb speaks a better word. The blood of the lamb. Jesus is my high priest standing face to face with yod heh He stands there and he is interceding for me. His life, his very presence is intercession for me. When God looks down at earth, he looks at his son. He remembers the cross. He remembers the mercy seat. He remembers the resurrection. He remembers that in the shedding of blood, there is redemption. He stands there speaking a better word than what I deserve. America! America! We have to speak to her a better word than what she deserves. I know, listen, there's something that's going in me. I've, a message is coming about awakening the dream in men and women. I understand when you look at the, what's happening in our streets and when you look at all the, the immorality and, and the idolatry and the, the corruption and the violence and the hatred in our, in, in our country today. And you see all that's coming out of California and, and all that the stuff that you see. When you look at that, you've got to remember that in each one of those people male and female black, white and brown locked up inside of them there is a purpose and a destiny that all of creation is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed and we have to preach the gospel and awaken God's dream that is locked up in every one of them We have to awaken the dream. We can't hate people. You have to preach against sin out of love and brokenness for the sake of the sinner because you want to see him delivered. But it comes out of the conviction of the Holy Spirit that convinces him that God's got a, something better for him. But it doesn't come out of our religious condemnation. How can we say we're Christians and we hate homosexuals? How can we say we're Christians but we hate Muslims? 
How can we say we're Christians, but we hate the adulterer, the fornicator? How can we say that? Listen, we have to look at the world and we have to see men that are lost and we have to grieve over that and be broken. Why? Because they are the sons and the daughters of God and locked up inside of them is the father's dream for his children. And we have to awaken that dream within them. We must learn to speak a better word than what people deserve on this day. Number three, talking about protocol for going into the Holy of Holies. He told them, you must wear linen. This was the garments of the servant. For in verse four, he shall put the linen attire on his body. These are holy garments. Now, I want you to understand, put, on the, first, put the first pickup, guys. This is the daily garments of the high priest. How many would agree with me that that looks regal? That looks like a king. Amen? That boy's been to Nordstrom's. He's got it going on, amen? That's how, you, that's, that's how most of you in, see the high priest, right? Put up the next one, guys. This is the garments that he wore on the Day of Atonement. Leave that up for just a moment. That's the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the garments that he wore on the Day of Atonement. He had to take off all that other regal, all that other kingly looking garment and, and, and all the accessorizing. You gotta take all that off. You gotta wear this, linen fabric. It's the oldest known fabric to man, known for its breathing properties, known for its evaporating properties. It's a strong fiber. And as I said before, when you look at the high priest who wore linen undergarments, okay, and then the linen garments here on the Day of Atonement, we look at that, we realize that the ministry done under the anointing should be sweat-free. Because linen represents that fabric that breathes and it evaporates sweat real well. Okay? And so I have to remind myself from time to time that I'm to wear linen undergarments, that I'm to wear the linen garments of the high priest, that the ministry should be no sweat. That you can't do this in your own abilities. That you've got to do it in the anointing, under the anointing of God. But what I want you to see here is that these garments represented humility. Humility is a self-awareness of who I am and who I'm not without boasting or self-belittling. I'm not talking about false humility. I'm talking about a humility that understands a self-awareness of who I am and who I'm not. It's an acknowledgement that I am a son of God and he's called me. He's laid his hand on me. He's anointed me. But I understand how frail I am. I understand I am but a man. So it's a self-awareness without boasting or belittling myself. It's just understanding who I am and who I'm not in Christ Jesus. Humility. So we have to have humility on this day. You see, put the next pick up. The linen garments worn by the high priest on the day of atonement were the daily garments of the ordinary priest. You see the high priest in the middle 
and the two on either side. They wore those every day. But the high priest wore what I first showed you with the, the, the ephod and all the color. Okay, the regal look. But on this one day a year, he who went into the Holy of Holies only one day a year, he had to put on the ordinary garments. Isaiah 42. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another. Only the ordinary can stand in the presence of an extraordinary God. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go in. There would be the incense burning, representing worship and prayer. It would cover the mercy seat, okay? It would shield him, the glory of God. It's like in the, in the book of Genesis, before man fell, we believe that he was clothed in the glory of God or clothed in garments of light, the glory of God. That's why he felt no shame. He would also come in with blood and that blood would say, I know they deserve to die, but it would speak a better word. It would say, these are your sons and daughters. It would speak a better word. Speak of their destiny, their future, not their past. And he would come in with those linen garments, not the regal, that priestly garments that I showed you, but he would come in with the garments of the ordinary priest. Because if you're going to stand between an extraordinary God, you have to understand he shares his glory with no one, and pride goes before a fall. If you're going to go into the Holy of Holies and stand before him, you better go in as an ordinary person. Humility. Understanding who I am and who I'm not. Understanding that I'm here in this holy place only because of the blood of the Lamb. Think of that. Ordinary garments. You see, atonement is the work of the ordinary. If we want to make atone, if we want to atone for our nation, if we want to, if we want to cancel and cover and restore, if we want to make atonement for our city, we're going to have to lose our religious pride. We're going to have to remember that super spiritual people don't inspire, they intimidate. We have to get rid of that. We've got to get rid of, of fighting and fussing in the church over titles and positions, power and control, and who gets what and who gets recognized and who gets on the platform and who don't. We've got to get over all that politics. We've got to get over all of that trying to posture and positioning ourselves in the church. We've got to prefer our brother before ourselves. We've got to learn to honor one another. We've got to learn to serve one another. Remember when the high priest went in with those ordinary garments, he went in as a servant. He got rid of all the pomp and circumstance, all the regal clothing, all the accessorizing. He got rid of all that stuff. And he went in with just them simple white garments of linen and he stood before an extraordinary God. You got to lose your pride. You got to lose it. You got to clothe yourself with humility. 
Because as I've told you so many times, listen, the way that we were able to really minister to people is through transparency, being honest, being ordinary, saying to people, let me tell you how I went to hell and I came back. Because that's what they want to know. So many times, Christians can seem unapproachable, untouchable, like we've got it all together. So many times, we hesitate to let people know that we struggle, that we're not sure about ourselves, and we're not sure about things, and we have concerns just like everybody else. We, we've, we've got to get rid of all that. If we really want to atone, if we really want to make a difference, if we really want to change America, then we're going to have to be ordinary people. On this day of atonement, you got to be ordinary people to come to the Holy of Holies. You got to come in just recognizing who you are and who you're not. You got to come in with humility. You have to come in with the garments of a servant. And that's how you atone for people. You see, that high priest would come in there and he wouldn't say, would you forgive the sins of our nation? He would go in there and say, would you forgive my sins? Would you forgive the sins of my family? Would you forgive the sins of the people? Would you forgive the sins of this tabernacle? And he was the one responsible for that tabernacle. So would you forgive me for the things that I've done over this last year that I know offended you? Would you forgive this nation for the sins that we committed out of ignorance? That's how you atone. It's not going in there and say, well, you know, they really had a bad year, Father. I hope you'll forgive them. He started with himself, with humility. Forgive me. That's how you make atonement. People need to hear our testimony. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love, let's change it, they did not love their own reputation. Even to its death. Oh, see, I'm preaching way. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. The word of their testimony, what God did for me, he'll do for you. So let me tell you my testimony. A story that was turned into a testimony. While you're in the story, keep your mouth shut. Walk it out, work it out, come out of it. But when you come out of it, turn your story into a testimony. And love not your reputation. That's why there are certain people that can reach certain people that I can't. I can't get up and say, well, I, you know, I, I've done this, I've done... Listen, there are certain things that I, I can't testify to, but others can. No one can help deliver a drug addict like an ex-drug addict. No one can, can help deliver a prostitute like a former prostitute. No one can pull somebody out of a same-sex marriage like a, a, a homosexual or ex-homosexual, ex-lesbian. Nobody can do that like them because they can testify. 
and tell what God did for them and they love not their reputation even unto death. Listen, there are people in here right now and watching online that there is some stuff that you've done that you've never told nobody because you're ashamed of it. And I understand, I do. But listen, we have to know that atonement is made when we put on the garments of a servant, we humble ourselves and we come in and we stand there with a testimony before an extraordinary God as ordinary people and we stand there with the blood that speaks a better word we testify and we don't care about our reputation we stand in the gap and we make up the heads for America and we fight we fight every day for these people that are dying and going to hell it's time for the church to realize it takes ordinary people to do extraordinary things and get off our high horse and become the servants of the king that we were called to be One more, we're done. I can't stop now and it won't make sense to you. One more. Can you take one more? One more, one more. Number four, we're talking about protocol on the Day of Atonement. How you go in, how you go in. The fourth thing you do is you send what is wrong back to hell. Verse eight, one goat for the Lord and one goat for scapegoat or Azel. There was two goats. The word scapegoat means the goat of departure or the goat that goes away. There were two goats. The high priest were to take two goats. One goat came up and that goat was dedicated to the Lord. And he sacrificed it and spilled his blood, life for life, the innocent blood. The other goat, he put his hand on that head and he pressed into it. And he would press into it the sins of the nation. And then there was a dedicated man that would take that goat and some say he would go 10 miles from the camp and he would release that goat into the wilderness that represents not only is your sins forgiven, but they're removed from you as far as the east is from the west. Never to be remembered again, okay? Now I'm not pronouncing this right, but we'll do it. Azel is the name of a desert demon in the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's a desert demon is what they call it. And other ancient Jewish books. One scroll identifies this scapegoat as the leader of the fallen angels in Genesis chapter 6. Noah, the sons of man, sons of God that took up the daughters of men. In Jewish theology, Azel's realm was somewhere out in the wilderness, outside the confines of holy ground. And you say, well, I, I'm not, I don't get this demon thing. You got to understand, God knew Israel. He understood them. So look at Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 7, the next chapter, and it gives us just a little understanding. He said, Israel, they shall no more offer their sacrifices to demons after whom they have played the harlot. You see, Israel believed in desert demons, and they would offer up goats to desert demons. So God spoke the language they would understand, and he brought up this goat, Azel, and he said, look, we're going to send this goat that bears the sin of the nation back to the desert, back to the wilderness, back to the, back to the, the ground that's outside of holy ground. We're going to send this stuff back to hell where it belongs. We're going to release it. Okay? Are you tracking with me? You understand? One goat dies, one goat, scapegoat, send out, send out into the wilderness. You see...
we as a people on this day of atonement, there has to be a repentance and a rejection and an expulsion of our national sin. We as God's people, kings and priests, the, the veil of the temple is torn. We have access into the throne room. We can come before our king. We have to come in with linen, with humility, as ordinary people. No pomp and circumstance. We come in understanding who we are and who we're not without boasting, without self-belittling, but stand there to intercede, to come before the throne of God boldly. We have to come in and we have to make intercession for our nation. And not only do we have to repent, but we've got to make sure that it's rejected and there is an expulsion of our national sin. Whether it's abortion or murder or violence or immorality or idolatry, racism, church division, we've got to run this thing out of the camp. We've got to send this stuff out into the wilderness. We've got to kick this stuff back to hell where it came from. We've got to recognize who we are, what God has called us to do, and we have to stand in the gap and make up the heads for this nation. That's why this time is so critical. With the appointment to the Supreme Court, with the presidential election, we've got to stand our ground. That's why Lafferty is in uh, D.C. right now with 50 days of 24-7 prayer and worship. That's why uh, Jonathan Kahn and others are there on the mall with the return calling this nation back to repentance because they understand that we've got to intercede and we've got to not only repent but we've got to deal with the sin of our nation. We've aborted over 60 million babies and it has to stop. Like Israel, America must stop sacrificing to its desert demons, abortion out of convenience, immorality because it feels good, idolatry because we want more, racism because it's easier to hate than it is to understand. We've got to stop sacrificing to these desert demons and repent of our sin and send it back to hell where it belongs. Send it back to hell. Let hell have it back. Send it back to hell. So repeat after me. It's time for this to go away. The scapegoat. The scapegoat, it means the goat that departs. The goat that goes away. It's not enough just to repent over abortion. We've got to change it. Am I making sense? It's not enough just to repent over racism. We've got to deal with it. It's not enough just to repent over the violence in our streets and the hatred for our brothers. We've got to deal with the hatred in our hearts. We've got to put our hands on that goat's head and press it to our sin and send it back to hell where it belongs. It's not enough just to repent. It's not enough just to say, well, I'm sorry. You've got to quit sleeping around. You've got to cut that out. You say, well, you know, I'm sorry. I'm just over sex where you need to just look. You, you need to deal with that sin and send it back to hell where it came from. You've got to deal with it. It's not enough just repent. You've got to deal with it. Stephen, come help me. It's time for this to go away. Go away. 
You okay? Take a deep breath. Mark 15, 38. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. We have access. Right now. Right now we have access. But there's a protocol for entering the holy place. You got to watch the time. Watchmen know what time it is. Right now it's time for our nation to turn back to God. We got to pay attention when God's moving. When he stirs the waters, we got to get in. We don't want to miss our day of visitation. Number two, speak a better word. When you go in to intercede for people, speak a better word than they deserve. Number three, enter with humility. Atonement is the work of the ordinary. You can't atone people on a high horse. You got to get off of it and become an ordinary person with them. Number four, send it back to hell. Repent and send it back to hell where it belongs. During the 10 high holy days, as they're preparing for the day of atonement, when the final decision is made, will I be written up in the book of life or the book of death? They would greet one another during these 10 days, Jewish greeting, and they would say, may you be sealed in the book of life. Right now in America, 2020, I understand there's a lot going on. COVID-19, rioting in the streets, hurricanes, fires, economy, the appointment of the Supreme Court, the presidential election, there's so much going on. But I would say to America, may you be sealed in the book of life. America, may you be sealed. Someone, someone has got to go is it somebody's got to go in before the throne and speak a better word and say God don't give up on America someone has has got to go in dressed in the garments of a servant linen an ordinary person and say Father start with me someone has to go in and say it's not enough that we repent but we want to deal with the sin and drive it out of our, outside of our boundaries and send it back to hell where it belongs. Somebody has to. Thank you for listening to the One City Church podcast. For more information about our church, visit onecity.church.